0: Really well to so work themselves back into this game. Every time Kungananji and Panda get on the ball, there's danger. Here's Barbara Vanda again. A huge pace from her! What an equalizer! Hey. We are living in Barbara Banda's world. What's going on? This is uh, Andre <laughs> Carlisle here at Diaspora United. I am here with Courtney. We're going to wrap up match day number two, Olympic match day number two. Courtney, how are you doing?
1: I'm okay. How are you? I'm
0: decent. I'm decent. I'm, I'm under. I, I'm glad. I'm. I'm delighted. I'm elated that Barbara Banda allowed us to see another glorious day. Scored <laughs> a hat trick because that's what she does. So I'm here for it.
1: Yeah, me too. I just hope, like. We're gonna to get to this later about like what our scenarios for next week. But I just want um, Barbara to keep scoring, like even if they keep losing, like I just want hat tricks. Like I want her to be the tournament top scorer.
0: Yeah, golden boot. We need it. We need it. So let's. Uh, let me run through the scores real quick, and then we're gonna dive into the matches a little bit. So I want to keep y'all updated on the scores and what's going on. So. Uh, Chile and Canada played. Chile lost 1-2. to two. Canada had two goals, both by Janine Becky, won a penalty. Uh, then China played Zambia, and that ended 4-4. Zambia had a Wild. lead late, um, but China ended up scoring a, an equalizer pretty late. Ended up 4-4 uh, for China. Wong had all four goals for Zambia. As we mentioned, Barbara Banda, another hat trick. Another hat trick. Uh, her second straight hat trick. The other goal was added by Rachel Kundinanji and they ended up 4-4. Shout out to Zambia. Like this is we're going to talk about it later in terms of the groups, but this is this is an awesome showing by them. Um I'm really really excited. I really thought they were going to get that win too, but ended up getting a point anyway. So, uh still shout out to them and forever shout out to Barbara Banda uh, cuz that is this performance is is awesome. Been to me it's been the story of the Olympics. Um, the next game was Sweden versus Australia. Sweden four, Australia two. Talk about that a little bit. Turns out you can score on Sweden. Who knew? Um, <laughs> Japan nil, Great Britain one. That was interesting. Uh, Netherlands three, Brazil three. That match was wild. Loved love that match. It was one of one of the fav- one of my favorite matches because this was just bonkers uh, back and forth. And then the uh, evening wrapped up with, or evening, evening in Japan, I suppose. Extremely early in the morning for us here. Uh, New Zealand won U.S. women's national team six. So, Courtney, where do you want to start?
1: Um, I want to start with Brazil. They tied the Netherlands 3-3, as you mentioned. Um, This game was honestly kind of bonkers. There was, uh, unfortunately, some questionable... Goalkeeping on Brazil's part. Um, I really thought Brazil was going to win this game, uh, but then you know, with the <laughs> if you haven't watched the highlights, I don't know if they're up on YouTube, but the, uh, hopefully they'll get on on, on YouTube uh, soon. Or if you also watch like the replay, like we did right after the national team game. Yeah, there was some a uh, little bit of questionable goalkeeping by Barbara, especially on the second. The second goal was just weird and one of those kind of like sp- funny slow motion goals. <laughs> Where you like see it happening, and they're like, The goalkeeper's gonna get there, and then they just don't. Uh, and then the third goal, she was which was a worldy free kick by Jansen. I think that's how you say it, yeah. And she just had like a basically worldy free kick, but also Barbara kind of got there and could have gotten it and like had seemed like had a hand to it. So, um, definitely some interesting thing. The what's interesting to me about this game, besides the Netherlands really conceding a lot in the past two games they've conceded six goals but i also thought you know they had really good they had some good patches, passages of play and then i thought on the brazilian side i thought debinha had a really good match and then when um ludmila came in she just started terrorizing that netherlands back line.
0: yo so here's this was my standout because as, as y'all know we, we 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 are chelsea supporters uh chelsea recently signed their newest signing was enick nawan who is a uh, central defender, and she was in uh, central defense on the left side for Netherlands. Ludmila terrorized her. <laughs> like, like legit. It was it was a little scary. It was a little scary. She she got her isolated a number of times, and it did not go well. So um, so shout out to Ludmila, who was just wreaking havoc on that back line, but specifically making Nouwen's life very difficult.
1: Well, that, and for that third goal, if you haven't watched it, it is deeply embarrassing <laughs> because it's basically yeah, yeah. what it was just a, like a ball passed back and Luke Mila just read it, like pressed read it well and then just got her on the goalie and scored. And I was like, that's embarrassing. That's yeah. embarrassing. Yikes. Um, but you know, hats off to Brazil and honestly hats off to the Netherlands. Like I thought this game was really, really fun. Um, defending obviously was questionable at times. But, you know, who doesn't love just uh, what they're in Group E? Group E Madness.
0: Uh, Group F, yeah. Group F is the is the wild match. I think, what, 32 goals in in all the matches in Group F so far combined? Bonkers.
1: Yeah, it's an absolute madness, um, and I can't wait for Tuesday. Is that when they play again? Who knows? Days. I don't know. Um, but <laughs> yeah, wait t- t- the next Tuesday. It's match day three. <laughs> uh, the next match day to see... You know, who kind of comes out of this group? I was really expecting this group to be, like, no disrespect to the, like, um, to Zambia or China, but I was, like, expecting kind of Brazil and the Netherlands to kind of cakewalk through this. And while I'm not saying that's not what they're doing, because they both, like, have really high goal differentials, like, each game has been a lot, not necessarily tighter, but, like, a lot more interesting, I guess, than I thought they would be.
0: Well, that's also, you know, it's also the thing where I believe like group, it's the only group that's really still up in the air, I believe. You know, there, there are some clear winners um, in some of the other groups or clear um, teams who are advancing, but a lot could shake up. And we'll do the group rundown at the, at the end of the episode. But uh, but yeah, uh, Group F is, is kind of getting a little bit interesting. And these next matches are going to be very, very interesting. A lot can change.
1: Yeah, 100%. And at least for right now. Um, if the mat, like the next game of matches goes the way people think it might go, um, the tie between Zambia and China will work well in the favor of the other two groups and trying to get um, you know, having that third place team out of the group stage.
0: Yeah, I just had a nightmare scenario where if it's like Zambia who ends up being the third place team that doesn't make it, I'm gonna be real upset. <laughs> Obviously they would have to have like a of the performance of their of their lives, which honestly They kind of been doing like they've been balling out. So like I'm not Mm -hmm. it's not beyond the realm of possibility, especially this will be the third match for everybody in what, five, six days. So it's going to be it's going to be a little brutal, um, I think. So uh, definitely that depth is going to get tested. Uh, But we could see some interesting results and especially Group F. Um, Interesting things could happen. Uh, What else caught your eye?
1: Um, The other thing that caught my eye was Great Britain. At the top of the group. Um, Coming in, I think a lot of us saw that squad that Team GB put together and we were like, seems a little safe. Also, like, it's like not only seems a little safe, but like also just like kind of like a little bit lax, I don't wanna say spark, but there was just nothing, there was like nothing super sparkly about it. Like, what I, doesn't Manchester City have like seven players? (laughs)
0: Yeah, it's basically Manchester City with like Fran Kirby on it. So,
1: great. <laughs> right. Like, so, um, I, don't, and that, and it, it was that combined with their, um, their lack of like preparation games. Like, you know, when, at least for the teams that you knew were going to be in the Olympics, each of them were with, uh, also with the, without, um, New Zealand, because for them it was like COVID restrictions. But, you know, all of these teams were trying to get matches in beforehand. Um, so, you know, they could assess their teams, work on things, like see what, they can work on. Um, but with Team GB, we didn't really see that. They did have a schedule, uh, a friendly schedule, but it was canceled because of COVID. So I'm honestly surprised that they are at the top of their group.
0: Yeah, me too. Um, I, I I picked them as my kind of like, you know, quote unquote, big, you know, powerhouse team that is going to struggle. And they are not, you know, two wins out of two. Uh, didn't really expect that. They It hasn't been, you know, the most comprehensive of wins, but they're getting the three points. I do think that their next match is against Canada, um, and then Japan plays, plays Chile. And um, if Canada beats them, Canada Canada can top the group. But either way, Great Britain is is advancing. So you know my prediction was was super wrong. Uh, so shout out to them for proving me wrong. But I will absolutely be rooting for Canada, uh, Team North America diaspora. <laughs> 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 um to to get over uh great britain and top that group because they they do have one one win and one draw but i still feel like they haven't quite had a complete performance yet and if they put it together against great britain uh, i think they can get three
1: hats off to great britain but i'm definitely rooting for canada also because i just want Michelle prince glory um which is what i always want but i especially want it then i um, mean i think the last thing that surprised me is coming and like you know Tying it back to the national team a little bit, but also uh, the group that we're in that I was reading. I didn't actually watch the Sweden-Australia match. I haven't recorded, so I am going to watch it um, before our next match. But just that, you know, Australia really could have taken all three points from this. Um, Those last two Sweden goals were scored pretty late in the match, and it seemed like Australia, at least from some recaps, uh, seemed to be playing really well. and And I had watched their match against New Zealand and thought that they... I mean, they played well, but also New Zealand, just, it was like their first match together in 18 months. So how well can you play with that? But, you know, this group is surprising to me and not in terms of like who sits where on the table, but how, like how each team is performing.
0: Yeah, I think, um, I, this group has gotten a little interesting just to me because I was almost expecting, you know, like Sweden and the U.S. to be at the top, of course, but Australia have, has looked a lot better than I think um, we assumed uh, they would look. They had a lot of pre-mat or pre-Olympics matches that did not look well. They looked like anytime you kick the ball at their net, you were going to get a goal, and that ain't good. <laughs> so, like, they looked real, real suspect in defense, and so uh, somehow they managed to clean some of that up. Uh, I do think that Sweden got a little bit lucky. Um, I'm guessing they had a little bit of a uh, a little bit of a hangover from their win over the U.S. Sam Kerr missed the penalty. Uh, I believe another penalty should have been called as well. This was not the comprehensive, like dominant performance by Sweden that we saw uh, in, in on match day one against the U.S. And I think you know, as high as people were on Sweden, uh, I do think that there were some things that were pretty clear things that could have been done. Like Sweden was not all of a sudden. Crown like the most unstoppable team in the tournament just because of that performance. The U.S. contributed a lot. And we talked about that in the first pod. So um, I guess setting all that up, well, where do you want to go? You want to you just dive right into it, uh, U.S. 6, New Zealand 1?
1: Yes, let's dive right in. You actually took the transition right out of my mouth a few minutes ago. So I was like, oh, i doing it for <laughs> nice. me. Perfect. Uh, so yes, yeah, Sweden, nope. That's not it. New Zealand won uh, the U.S. six. I believe there was one own goal, and then there was potentially another that they're trying to get credited um, to Chris Impress. But this match was really interesting to me. Um, I thought coming out, well, the first thing off the top of my head was, I was like, wow, I'm not waking up when it's dark outside. Phenomenal. Um, But seeing, I don't know, to me, even though the scoreline is 6-1, to me, the the U.S. Women's National Team didn't play in that kind of, like, calm, cool collected that I expected them to. Um, I thought at times things were definitely a little sh- bit shaky out of the back. Um, I mean, and that's not even, like, actually alluding to um, how New Zealand scored that goal. But yeah, it just kind of wasn't the – I was really expecting, like, a huge dominant performance and even though the scoreline reflects dominance to me the actual product on the field didn't.
0: Yeah, I completely agree with that. I do not feel great at all after that match about their prospects. And, and to be completely honest, I'm I wouldn't say I'm like like one like they're pri- pri- the primary team that I'm rooting for. I kind of just want to see like a good tournament. So like them not doing all that well Is more interesting to me than it is saddening to me (laughs) so Mm -hmm. that's kind of like my approach to it but i thought you know the first of all the lineup was just weird it's like called on all the experience you know go get us back on track and it almost seemed like the u.s is just relying on the mentality too much just like tactics matter now like mm-hmm. you can't just run around out there with like a chip on your shoulder and run around and be aggressive cuz there was so much nervous jittery anxious energy basically all match and mm-hmm. it was just weird to watch it's like yeah you are a better team than New Zealand and eventually that's going to show but just like everything was like the passes were were sometimes too quick sometimes too slow uh, sometimes players were getting beat and then like panic reaction, like defending. It was just a very, very strange match. They still looked like they were shell-shocked a bit from Sweden. I didn't see. Like, I think if you look at the score line, you're probably like, Oh yeah, the US, there you go. They bounce back. This is more like it. But if you watch that match, I'm like, I was still like, ugh, this don't look right.
1: Yeah, and I feel like part of that what and this was something I noticed during the match of okay, so Juilliard started, which me makes sense trying to get her back up to match fitness xyz there were times where i didn't see her in normal julie earth's positions and not saying that she like not saying she was out of purposely out of position but she was definitely given directions you know we saw her at times um really on the like on the right side of the pitch and kind of going and like really floating on that right flank and you know obviously that worked well because she had a great ball in for um chris goal, but. There were just times where I was like, why is, you know, like why is Roosevelt dropping in? Why is Lindsey Horan dropping in, collecting the ball, playmaking? Not that that's not good at all. Like I understand wanting to have kind of a little bit more of fluidity in the midfield, but I also thought, let's say that someone picks up the ball and it quickly gets, you know, turned away, let's say at only 15 yards into the opponent's half. Who do I want actually there, like trying to press the ball, trying to, you know, quickly win it back. And that person is Julie Ertz if she's on the pitch. Like, And so I was kind of surprised at her kind of just floating around in the fluidity. And it's like, I understand that in one sense, you know, tactically you don't want it to, you don't want to make yourself, you know, easy to mark, easy to predict anything like that. But then on the other hand, if something silly happens in the middle of the park um, or, you know, you really need that player who knows the position always, you know, has her positioning correct, always knows when to step, when to drop, all these things. You want to have Julie Ertz right there. And so while I don't think it was necessarily exploited today, even though New Zealand definitely had some good, like, attempts on target, I think if you're playing, um, you know, better opposition, that can easily be exploited.
0: Yeah, I actually think Roosevelt Dick did a lot to make up for how dysfunctional the midfield looked um, there were times where she was playing six times where she was the eight times where she was the 10.
1: Look, Roosevelt <laughs> was actually everywhere this entire match. She had four legs. Yeah, she really Mother's was.
0: It, it was wild. She, she played a wild match and, and like, like shout out to her for doing that. Shout out to her for getting the opening goal. But to me, she was like the sharpest player out there and she didn't really have anybody who could play a lot, like play with her. Like Julie Ertz isn't fully fit yet. We know that. Like, we weren't even expecting to see her against Sweden at all. It's just that things got really bad really quickly. And so they were like, uh, Juilliard, go fix things. <laughs> and, like, I didn't expect to see her start in this match, but I'm guessing she came through the, the 45 minutes in the last match against Sweden feeling all right. And so they decided to go ahead and work on her fitness. But she's not a fully fit player and thankfully you know New Zealand doesn't quite have the same caliber of player as Sweden has to where they could make that like punish the US for doing that and getting like you mentioned catching the US out in bad positions so like there's that aspect of it for me but then there's also like to me this 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 this, this mentality thing I just I keep going back to that because it's getting re- it's kind of on my nerves because it seems like players are getting uh, are, are more in favor with the. US women's national team and getting in the 11 uh, and getting called on because of this menta- this 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 idea that all you have to do is like have this really gritty like quote unquote you know like Chevrolet commercial American like mentality right like you, you this is what you need to play for team USA and it ain't about that right like ta- like mentality doesn't overcome tactics it doesn't overcome talent like we have the talent. And so, like, I think we also got ourselves caught up in that. With outside backs, we act like we don't have any when we have outside backs that we could use. So, like,
1: outside backs at
0: that. Yeah, right. So, like, when I think about the outside back situation, sometimes on a uh, on Twitter, you'll see somebody post two photos. One is like a zoomed up shot of some kid, like with his head on the ground and like a boot on top of his head. And then the next picture is like the zoomed out shot where like he's got his arm inside the boot. And he's like pressing it against his own head. That's how I feel the US is when it comes to outside backs. Like, we have them, we have good outside backs. We just don't ever use them. Like, I'm so thankful that Casey Kruger got into the game, should have started. I don't understand this Emily Sonnet thing. It did not go well. (laughs) So, like, I don't know why that keeps happening. Kelly O'Hara, I don't know why that keeps happening. Like, we have solid defensive outside backs.
1: Wait, let me quickly add in one thing about. New Zealand and, and our outside backs because one thing that I noticed when I watched their match against Australia, which ended 2-1 but the interesting thing, that match really should have ended like, if I'm being my most honest I'll probably should have ended like at least 5-2, to two. like that should have actually been the scoreline in terms of chances created by Australia, but also chances created by New Zealand and one thing that was New Zealand was so successful at was and you know, I'll talk about this a little bit later when um, I preview the Australia match a little bit is that at the time, you know, Australia was, like, kind of playing three at the back. Um, Ellie Carpenter was, like, you know, getting really, really far forward, and New Zealand was really, really good at playing triangles around Australia's high press and then quickly looping the ball over and getting it into that wide channel down the field that they had their forwards just run onto. I mean, in two cases, there were two defensive calamities, um, one by the goalkeeper, one of them by one of their defenders, um... Or you know, New Zealand definitely should have scored and didn't. But, you know, I was really expecting them to do something like that. And I feel like it was kind of lucky that our outside backs just didn't really get kind of exploited in that way. Like, obviously, there were definitely moments, um, particularly with Emily Sonnet, where, like, she was just caught way too high up the field. Like, quite simply, just, like, way too high. Like, I under- you know, why she was there made sense in terms of the passage of play. But it was just, you know, being really, really caught out of position and kind of at times being a little bit lucky not to get exploited. And then at other times, like, Tierna Davidson would make a really good um, defensive intervention, which kind of leads me to what's going on with Abby Dahlkemper, which is confusing to me because, at least for me, like, when I've watched her, she has always been really, really solid, like... And not even just really, really solid, but also to, like to me what's really stood out about her for a long time was great uh, positioning and great decision making. Like understanding, you know, when she should come in to try to get the ball, not all that stuff. And these past few matches has just it's not been there. It's really not, like, especially against Sweden. Um, both center backs, but I think especially for the second second and the third goals were on Abby Dalkemper's side when she's supposed to be either. Covering an area, attacking the ball, or covering the player, which none of those three were done. So obviously, those um, the other players scored. And then, to me, what happened today was like, to like the simple way to put it to me is like deeply unlucky, but also like low-key hilarious. Like it was like com like what happened All was like was very com- funny, <laughs> like it was comically <laughs> hilarious, but also you know super un- unlucky. Like do I think nine times out of ten she first hits the ball like that, like trying to basically kick it over her head and it's just not happening? No. And then when she realized she made a mistake and trying to track back and slipping, I also don't think that happens often. Um, so I think, like, right now, unfortunately, she's just kind of in a run of bad form at the worst time to do that. Um, but yeah, and it's like, you know, Vlako has a decision. Does he want to keep her in to try to build up that confidence so she doesn't keep making mistakes? Or do you want to put in someone more solid? Like shifting tierna davidson over to that side and having her play with becky Sauer run um and having like more of a defensive like solidity solidity in the back but i also don't think that these defensive performances like i can't 1000 percent pin it on abby doll comfort like it's not just her and her performance
0: yeah absolutely i mean i think I think part of that is like the out the outside back problem and learning how to cope with overloads <laughs> on, on either side. Um, and I and do think that, tricks. yeah, and I and I think that that is an important thing tactically to fix. Mentality doesn't fix that; tactics fix that. So, like, that's another one of those things. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention, and this is the last thing for me on this game, and I'll and I'll come to you see if you have anything else. But um, Kristen Press.
1: CP-11, unfortunately. <laughs> I almost said CP-23. And it feels wrong. That's what
0: it, I'm saying. Maybe, just, maybe we'll start going by her goal count on this run. CP-40? Is it, is it 40, 40 <laughs> goals in, in 39 national team appearances? Not goals, but goal contributions in 39 uh, national team appearances, the last 39. This is kind of the thing for me about this team, is that when you play your most talented players, you do a little bit better. So like yeah it was 2-0 at halftime. Uh they got the own goal in the what 63rd minute, but New Zealand also scored, right? New Zealand had a had a decent had a good had a good shot, had a couple good chances, finally got one in. And so this is why the the to me the match doesn't feel or look like a typical 6-1 where you just see one team is completely dominating the other because the US finally started looking a little bit more fluid and like themselves in attack. And that's really all about Kristen Press. She came in and had a goal in the 80th minute, had an assist in the 88th minute to Alex Morgan and forced an own goal, which which, which might get credited to her if her initial shot was on target uh, in stoppage time. So the U.S. scored three of those six goals after the 80th minute. And Kristen Press was had a hand in all of them. I don't know of any other national team player, men's or women's, who's ever had a run like this. And I think if like Alex Morgan was doing this, they'd lose their minds. I think if like Megan Rapinoe was doing this, they'd lose their mind. Imagine Carly Lloyd having a record like this. (laughs) Like it would be so unbearable. But Kristen Press has it. And like, and, like, it seems like social accounts that are around the U.S. women's national team, like Nikita, like, sometimes, like, when we tweet it out from the Diaspora United account or some other, you know, journalist mentions it, they're finally like, oh, yeah, and then they put a graphic together and then they tweet it or something. But it's like, it's, it to me, it's the most impressive thing going in, like, in, in like, international football right
1: now. I mean, to me, I don't, I personally don't know any club player that has been in this run-up form like not like 40 goal contributions in 39 matches. I don't know any player for club or for country who has been and like, to be fair, I'm young. So maybe this happened in like the eighties or nineties. And I just was not aware of it because I was not on this planet um, of just this run of form. And it's absolutely insane. Um, I do want to quickly zero in on the own goal, potentially now being attributed to her goal that happened because that was a really nice passage of play. It was basically three passes. Cat, someone passed the ball to Cat. Cat plays a beautiful, I love I. It was one of those times where I just shouted at my TV like this, like my, sometimes my really aggressive good pass or good ball. And she goes and splits the defenders, gets the ball on, to on running Sam Mewis, who just plays in Chris Impress. It was literally, it was like one, two, three goal. It was so nice to see. Um, and I mean, look, we tweeted it out saying, put some respect on her name and she deserves it. Like, I don't, I personally don't know any other player who's in as good of form for this amount of time that she's been in. And then even if you like, and and the thing is, even if you go back to her pre, like even when she was coming in off the bench, like what she, isn't she the ninth, maybe it's changed a little bit now that she scored a few more goals, but at one point she was, what ninth on all-time scoring and half of them like two-thirds of them, goals are coming off the bench like what (laughs) like
0: and the question is why
1: truly the question is why and when they're looking for goal drafts it's like I don't know just put put her on the pitch she'll get your goals she like she fundamentally always has a way of doing it and yeah she just honestly really needs some respect put on her name and I mean I understand like a lot of people are like why isn't she starting and it's like I understand it These games are coming thick and fast and you want her fresh for Australia. But also at the same time, I like want this. Like when we think about focal pieces for attackers for the women's national team, your number one focal piece should be Christian Press. Because she is, all she has done is shown that she should be the centerpiece and isn't.
0: Yeah. And this kind of goes to to my my harping on about mentality. You know, Carly Lloyd, despite... Lack of actual production (laughs) continues to get a bunch of opportunities, uh, whereas Kristen Press, you know, performs and you don't see the same level of hype about her um, and the run that she's on. And it's just kind of frustrating. And I hope that we get through that because, as you mentioned, like the ability to play beautiful football and score amazing goals and link up is in this team. But it's only in this team if we play our most talented players and our players who can actually execute at that level. I had a lot of high hopes for what Vlaka was going to do with this team, and so far, in the, like the first major international tournament, um, that hasn't happened, and I'm disappointed.
1: Yeah, I understand that. Some um, in some ways, I also think it's. I mean, it's the players he's kind of been given, and also hopefully, you know, he will phase some of these players, you know, out. After he chose game.
0: the players. He told us he chose the players, so he wasn't giving them. He made these decisions.
1: Okay, but the last thing I do want to say about this, uh, talking tac- talking tactically, besides the fact that one thing that we didn't even mention was um, four goals getting disallowed for offside calls, um, which I, like, looking at it to me, I thought all four of those calls were right. Um, I know people were harping on the, in theory, goal number five, like the fourth goal that was called off um, with that deep line run from Lindsey Rand, but... To me, what they showed on the TV, I was like, oh, she's offside. Um, like, maybe my brain drew VAR lines, but I was like, at least from the naked eye test, um, to me, she, like, she looked like she was leaning. And if you did, like, the thing from what her kneecap to the other player's, like, ankle or whatever, like, she was definitely ahead. Because um, also, that was the one thing I really noticed, which I think why Emily Sonnet's performance really stood out, was that we kept playing the ball through the right. But the weird thing that I kind of noticed that was mostly went away from in the second half outside of maybe the last like 10 minutes when we were really starting to score again, we were actually playing like playing the diagonal balls that were happening. Were just like <laughs> really just messing up New Zealand's back line. Like, like whether Rose was playing them or whoever was playing them, you know, driving inside and then immediately hitting a diagonal ball. And for some reason that kind of stopped. And I didn't really start seeing it again a little bit more until or maybe I just like kind of noticed it more because the game was getting a little bit more exciting till Chris and Press um, came back in. But I was curious. I was like, why? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Like this was obviously leading to a lot of goals, whether disallowed or not. <laughs> so it's like, why did we decide to come out and start shifting tactically where at the moment it was still working well? And it's like, okay, maybe halftime. Maybe Tom Sermani notices it and tries to make a little bit of adjustments, but. At least to me, they didn't really seem like they made a lot, of, lot of adjustments. Because as soon as the 80th minute hit and Chris and Press came in, the same, like basically the same moves were still working. Um, but transitioning to our next match against Australia, going to be interesting. Right now, um, Australia and the U.S. are tied on points, both three apiece, but the U.S. is leading through goal differential, um, having those six, which at some point didn't know if they were going to actually come, but having those six, um, you know. Did well for the goal differential. But to me, this match is going to be really interesting, not only just from deciding, you know, if you're going to actually get out of the group stage or not, you know, get second place or lose, get third place, maybe have, I saw someone tweeting about nightmare scenarios and I was like, why are you doing this? But this match against Australia is going to be really interesting. You know, watching them play New Zealand, Caitlin Ford was just ruining And I mean ruining, honestly, both wide channels. And if I'm remembering correctly, the um, right back channel was just, she was eaten. That's all I can say. She was eaten. And I thought, you know, Australia played really, really well while they did have, you know, some defensive errors that were kind of hilarious. Looking into this, looking forward to this match, I don't think it's going to be a cakewalk. I think the, the form that they're in and also the form that the women's national team is in, it's not going to be a cakewalk. And I think it's going to be a well, like a good battle. But to me, what is going to make or break it is which U.S. women's national team is actually going to show up on the day.
0: Yeah, to me, if they play as jittery, which I think the the jitteriness, I think that's the reason for all the offsides. The team was just not in sync and jittery. Um, I think if they play like that, they're going to struggle. I think also if they name a weird lineup like they did, uh, they're going to struggle. Um, And I also do think that like, you can't really take any chances. It might like I, I think Abby Dahlkemper will has the, ha, can get over it for the knockout rounds. I think it's more important to make sure you have your best performance so far in the of the tournament. In and mm-hmm. I think that's got to be sour and Davidson. So I am expecting to see that central defensive pairing in this match. So
1: oh, I don't. I think he's going to stick with a more similar lineup to Sweden in terms of the back four and even the front three, and then hopefully like Julie Ertz gets slotted into that midfield line. And the midfield three are Ertz, Lavelle, and Mewis. Because the one thing that's really going to need to happen is um, besides, you know, <laughs> really needing like good, just qu- quite simply quality defense across the board, um, but also to stop the runs of Caitlin Ford, but also to stop Sam Kerr, who was honestly just really, at least from the match that I watched and hearing a bit from today is just been tearing it up and uh, being a little terror to uh, defenses, but also she's really good in the air and you're going to need some uh, like aerial presence. And when you think of aerial presence, you should have Sam right there. Honestly, I just hope that they get the tactics right this time because looking at how Australia played New Zealand was pretty similar to how Sweden played the U.S. I saw some, like honestly saw so many similarities at one point. It was kind of scary. So, you know, hoping that doesn't happen and that uh, the Sweden match was actually a learning opportunity.
0: Yeah, that was, that was hopefully lessons were learned. I didn't quite see those lessons being learned and applied versus New Zealand. So we'll see. Australia is now the absolute must win. And um, they're, they've they've proven to be a bit of a tricky squad in this tournament. So this will be interesting. Um, let's go ahead and wrap up the groups and get y'all ready. Cause Tuesday is it. Tuesday is match day three and it's all going to shake out at the end and we're going to know who's advancing and who isn't uh, by the end of that match day. So, let's get ready for it. Uh, group E, uh, Great Britain and Canada are basically playing for top of the top of the league or top of their group <laughs> league, top of their group. Uh, Japan and Chile can if Japan wins, they might be able to make some noise depending on goal differential. So, that would be interesting if if Japan wins. And Canada loses because Canada has four points. Japan has one. So Japan-Chile is also kind of a match to keep an eye on as it regards to who might be getting out of that group. In mm-hmm. uh, Group F, the crazy group that scores all the goals, <laughs> all of the goals. Um, as mentioned before, we got Brazil and Zambia, which is that's just going to be wild. It's going to be a wild, wild match uh netherlands uh, will play china netherlands and brazil both have four points china and zambia have one so this like this this one is a bit of a toss-up you expect netherlands to beat china china has not been in great form so you do expect them to get all the points they need to advance but the rest of that definitely going to be a bit of a toss-up uh and then of course in group g sweden will play new zealand and the united states will play australia uh, Sweden already has six points. The U.S. and Australia are tied with three points each. New Zealand, zero points. So this group absolutely comes down to United States versus Australia, both on three points. Both need to win to move on. But, you know, we'll be we'll be back to wrap it all up. After that, uh, we'll let you know who moves on. By then, you'll probably already know, but we're going to talk about it. <laughs> we're going to talk about it, figure out who could have advanced, who didn't uh some of whatever kind of happens in these crazy other other groups that we're really looking forward to like i'm really like group f i'm really intrigued to watch those games like u.s uh, match kicks off at 4 a.m and it's basically gonna be like soccer nonstop
1: until about 9 a.m uh eastern time so um wait a quick programming note we'll have two podcasts next week as well because we will have a regular one talking about all the things going on in the nwsl it will be shorter unless some madness happens which knowing the NWSL probably, but look out for two episodes at the beginning of next week. Ooh,
0: that's also news to me. <laughs>
1: we'll see y'all later. <laughs> see ya. Thanks for listening to Diaspora United Podcast. Please subscribe and rate and review us anywhere you get your podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Pod. That's Diaspora, U-T-D-P-O-D. And message us if there's anything you want us to talk about in our next podcast. See you next time.